edition of Thinking Aloud about film. We are continuing with our Pedro Almodovar series. And today we are on his third film, Entre Tinieblas, Dark Habits. So Richard, I've, you know, I've seen it many times, so you tell me, what, what was your initial reaction? I enjoyed it. It's a much more polished film than the first two. Um, clearly bigger budget. I probably enjoyed it less than the first two. It, the, the plot is completely crazy and bizarre but the film is less fun than you would expect from that sort of okay. plot which felt like an odd um an odd combination maybe a, a sort of he maybe he's transitioning to his more serious later style and it's not quite working yet I don't, I don't know but it's very 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 well done very good yes i mean i i think it's great uh, and i think it does work it certainly you know had me uh laughing out loud again on the you know umpteenth time uh, that I've seen it, you know, but maybe it would be good to give some context for it, actually, because, you know, I think it's a really radical film. Yeah, it, it was turned down in Cannes because they were afraid to offend the church, yeah, right? Yeah, And uh, I think it was the first of Almodovar's films to be shown abroad, and uh, it was chosen by the Venice Film Festival. And then the Venice Film Festival said that it couldn't show it, that it was just too outrageous. It was like, uh, there was a part of the festival that was called uh, Films at Noon and Films at Midnight or mm. something. I, you know, kind of the fringe bit. Yeah, yeah. And ostensibly, the director of that said, if we don't show this film, I resign. It's a very shocking film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe not for everybody, certainly not for me. Yeah, but in its time, it was considered outrageous that you should have a film with nuns, you know, uh, uh, taking heroin and you know, the central love story is a lesbian one and et cetera, right? Mm, mm. Um, and in the Spanish political context, it was just a year and a half after Colonel Tejero attempted his famous coup, Yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it's a dangerous... I mean, now we just see it and it's so camp and I find it very funny, right? But it's camp and, uh, uh, and, and the camp thing seems to tame you know, the danger mm. that it at one time possessed, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It's Even though it's, well, it feels comparatively recent, you know, the 80s, to me, feel comparatively recent, although it was a long, long time ago. 40 years I know, that's because I'm really old. But, <laughs> but yeah, there, there, there was more of a sense of transgression and things. So the, the, something that occurred to me watching it was there was a film, I don't know if you've seen Visions of Ecstasy, uh, which was, no. it's a, it's actually now a movie. It's a, it's a British short film made in 1989 um, about a nun, and um, there's a it's kind of an erotic short film. And there's a there's a scene in that where uh, where the nun uh, fantasizes about having sex with with Jesus on the cross, and the, the, it was the I think only film to have been banned or rejected by the by the BBFC on the grounds of blasphemy, and you know people were prosecuted for. For, for screening the film in the UK and prosecuted for uh, trying to distribute the film in the UK. And, you know, now it's, yeah, subsequently it was fine and it's on DVD, it's on movie. Uh, but, you know, in as, as late as 1989 in the UK, uh, you know, a film was essentially outlawed on the grounds of blasphemy for featuring scenes sure. with a gun. So, you know, yeah. I mean, this film I that mean, goes further than this film, but, but yeah. Um, I, the, the context is important. So, for example, Buñuel, yeah, which is a clear influence mm. in this, right? You can see how the tiger in the convent 
is not too distant than the cow in the drawing room in Lage d'Or, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's really a connection between that. Um, but, you know, Buñuel was, was, Lage d'Or was banned uh, in Spain until Franco died, until censorship norms were lifted, mm. just four or five years before this film. Yeah, right? yeah. And actually, I think that was true in England as well. Lage d'Or was really banned in England, you know, until the mid-late 70s, right? You know, so I... You know, we're now taking for not now that the internet is strewn with porn and all mm. kinds of violence and so on. You know, we forget that this wasn't always the case. Yeah, yeah. Of, I mean, the the other thing uh, it reminded me of slightly was um, Black Narcissus, um, with all, all the you know all of the nuns having their kind of side hustles and and getting into yeah, their hobbies in the garden seating. and stuff. Uh, and again, that was similarly controversial at the time, and I think they had to. Um, Black Narcissus, they had to say the it was they they weren't actually Catholic nuns. They were they were you know there, there was some weird weird thing about what denomination they are in order for them to be able to get away with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting these things. You know, it go, clearly this goes a lot further than Black Narcissus, but um, you can go further in the in the eighties and you could in the fifties, and you can go go a lot further today. So it's it's hard to you know watching Black Narcissus now. It's hard to see what was shocking about it, although it would have been very shocking. And similarly with 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 this, you you can still see what what would be shocking about it, particularly in Spain. Yeah, and you know the thing is that Spanish movies had a whole strand, a variegated strand, of religious film. Yeah, so you know you had very famous Spanish uh, children's films like uh, Marcelino, Bread and Wine. Uh, you know, which I actually I saw listed in someone's sight and sound list as one of their top 10 films, you know, about a child who uh, is brought up by monks and, you know, at the end kind of, you know, is taken by Christ to heaven. <laughs> right. You know, and there were also like lots of nun films, mm. like modern nuns in motorcycles. And, you know, I mean, uh, so it's just a whole series of genres that kind of have this umbrella under the religious film but that are all involved in humanizing yeah, nuns mm, and kind mm. of, you know, making them seem like regular people and kind of make them lively and fun and so on. So this film is both like um, a critique of that and also in a way a reproduction of that because these nuns are fun. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like a convent I wouldn't mind being <laughs> in. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I really thought is an incredible achievement in this film is the way that it it marries genres, you know, that seem very contradictory. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, for example, you could argue this film is both a noir film. Mm. Yeah. It's also like a religious movie film or a nun film, right? Which you know, I mean, I think even in the U.S., if you know, there were nun films. You think of the Debbie Reynolds one with Greer Garson, yeah, about the singing nun and yeah, yeah, and so yeah. On. So it wasn't unknown. Even it was a, in Hollywood. A, a nun story as well with Audrey, Hep Audrey Hepburn as a nun. <laughs> and in Ingrid Bergman with Bing Crosby. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole, it was, whole series um, of In them. This House of Breed, which I think was, was Diana Rigg. I mean, it was this whole genre of taking very, very glamorous actresses, you know, Diana Rigg, Ingrid Bergman, <laughs> um, Audrey Hepburn, and making them nuns. <laughs> yes. And in, in Spain, the same with Sara Montiel. And of course, uh, of course, the sound of music. So, yeah. And the sound of music. That's right. You know, so so I think, you know, well, I, I want to know what you think in a way, because here is like, a, a, you know, a nun film that is also a film noir, 
that is also a musical, yeah, and a musical comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah? So. It, it is interesting because there were uh, p points where it's it sort of certainly when she first goes to the. I, mean, I guess we should talk a little bit about the plot. So essentially, the, this young woman is, is is a drug dealer. She brings heroin to her to a man who then who then dies, and she she's a nightclub singer. She goes on the run, hides out in this convent um, where basically the nun the nuns have been sheltering prostitutes and trying to reform them, but actually the the nuns are kind of as in, in the main are as, as, as kind of corrupt and, and sinful as, as anyone else. So they're all taking drugs or writing erotic novels or, or, or whatever. And that, that's basically the plot. Right? But it, when she first arrives in the in the convent and you just get this sense that there's all the nuns have got these dark secrets. Um, it, it's very, it's kind of has this kind of Hitchcock feel to it, you know, all yes, these shots through windows and you know, it's a bit like rear window and, um, you know, she's peering out of the window trying to understand what the nuns are doing in the garden and all this kind of thing. And it doesn't go down that thriller route, but it, it does have that, that kind of noir feel to it. It's very, very interesting. Yes. Uh, you know, certainly a lot of the lighting and so on. And yet it's also musical. Mm. And by this, I don't only mean that, it, you know, it stars a nightclub singer yeah, at the beginning, she sings at the beginning, she sings at the end. But then there's that wonderful interlude where the nun and uh, the, the, the singer sing, you know, a love song to each other, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, in her office, yeah, when, where she says, I love boleros, you know, they talk about life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so I think, you know, the, so when they say about musicals, people who don't like them, they say, oh, nobody ever bursts into song on the street. Well, they do, and they do in ways that are shown, like like they're shown in this film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, you know, Lucho Gatica singing, and you join in, and actually in joining in, you're speaking kind of something to each other that might be misunderstood. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you feel the nun is expressing her feelings for the nightclub singer, but the nightclub singer is just speaking the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to, I'm talking of musicals, the, yeah, the, the obviously other film, this kind of resembles is uh, Sister Act, which also features a nightclub singer hiding out in a in a convent, which Almodovar yes. was, claims he was asked to direct. Uh, yes, he did. He was. And, yeah. and, uh, and turned it down. But uh, but yeah, it's, which is an interesting And aside. this is so much more complex yeah, yeah, and radical yeah. than that, you know, because I think, I'm not sure if there's religious feeling in the film, but there's certainly a religious culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, Almodovar knows what he's talking about when, you know, he says things like God is love and, you know, God is always on the side of the powerless. And, you know, like, yeah, all of those things that the, the mother superior says to justify the kind of convent she's running. Yeah. 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 It does have kind of like a religious basis. It has a religious discourse. Yeah. In a way that like Sister Nun, you know, they just like the outfits on there. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I think all of that uh, is really fascinating. I want to talk a little bit about camp because it's something that a few um, English academics have picked up on in relation to this film. But actually, very interestingly, Spanish ones don't seem to have, you know, uh, obviously they pick up on the humor, but they attribute it to, you know, they, they call it espertentico, which means it's a very black kind of humor, mm. yeah? And I think actually this humor is not black at all, you know? Or do you think it is? 
yeah, I mean, I guess there there is dark humor around the, you know, the use of drugs and 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 that kind of thing. But then there's also the scene where, you know, the nun is sitting there playing bongos next to a tiger, and I mean, that's yes. you know, uh, which is a brilliant scene with some, you know, someone gardening in the background and the nuns playing bongos and the tigers trying to eat stuff, and it, it, it's just you know, very very camp, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, or the scenes, you know, like in the rastro where the guy's there with the fire and then the nun takes a needle and sticks it through her jaw. You know, the timing of that, I think, is so makes it so funny. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but, but I think there is also this thing that the whole film is camp in a way because, you know, what is camp? It's kind of like taking the form of something and kind of applying it to something else. And nonetheless, in that kind of, you know, switch, revealing something that hurts and making it comic and you see that all throughout this film yeah that kind of so i think it's absolutely kind of central to to it all um and i also think that you know the music is central because you know like so on the one hand you're you're making fun of religion you're kind of switching the tables on it kind of you know uh but on the other hand like the whole film is about transgression. Yeah, why are they the humble redeemers? Because they've transgressed, right? Yeah. yeah. And actually, you know, so the drug thing is interesting because clearly drugs were everywhere in Madrid at this time, you know, and I think the dangers were not understood, right? You know, so the idea that you could just go off heroin in a couple of days, right? Like in the uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the bit where one of the nuns, with the, the the singer, has arrived in the convent, and um, the nun turns up in a bed and says, "I've got something to help you sleep. What is it? Oh, it's just a bit of heroin." It's okay, here we go. And it, you're right; it, it is. Although, although on the other hand, the film does start with somebody takes heroin and suddenly dies. So. Uh, well, I think it's said it's laced true. with strychnine, I think. But it, yeah. but it, but it, it does start with a, a drug-related death. death. Yeah. Yes, and interestingly, it starts with the death of a man, you know, because so there are basically like two men, and well, three, yeah, two are completely absent, yeah, uh, the guy who dies at the beginning, but who you see, his diaries are red, yeah, and actually they're really macho and unpleasant, yeah. And then, of course, there's Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the son of the Marquise who's born in Africa, but who only appears as a picture. Yeah, right? yeah. And aside from that, there's the priest who falls in love with the nun and who loves making outfits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of male police officers who turn up briefly, but yeah, in terms of main okay, characters, yes. yeah, it's, it's very... It, it is, it, again, interestingly, with, with a lot of his films, it's very... I mean, well, clearly, it's about nuns, what do you expect? But it's very, very female-dominated. Yes. Um, and also, I think you begin to see, you know, what would later be called the Chica Samadova, right? So, you know, I was watching this little documentary that came with the Blu-ray Blu of the film, you know, which talks about how basically, you know, Pedro Almodovar uh, went to the theater, and, and I think it's Marisa Paredes who says, you know, not all film directors go to the theater. You know, Pedro was one who did. And he saw us, and by us he meant Carmen Maura and Julieta Serrano and Marisa Paredes in a play, and he cast us, right? Um, and, and so 
you know, all of these people and Cecilia Roth who appeared in Labyrinth of Passion and Eva Siva who appeared in Labyrinth of Passion, they all reappear here. Yeah, yeah. The convent is largely peopled by, you know, actresses who'd already been in several of his films and who, who would continue uh, to be uh, in other of his films. So, you know, I think this is a really interesting film, as you mentioned, really, because, you know, so you mentioned that this is maybe the reason why you liked it less, but I think it's a transitional film in the sense that you begin to see what you would recognize as characteristic mm. in later Almodovar films, yeah? The use of color, the mise-en-scene, things that you're in no position to judge in the earlier films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the cast are part of what make an Almodovar film an Almodovar Yeah, film. yeah. And it's very, yeah, right from the start, it's, it's, it's you know, much as the second film was technically way above the first one this this goes to another level again and there's a scene at the beginning where she goes to the boyfriend's apartment and you know it starts with this long shot of the apartment building then she walks past it inside and the camera kind of follows her into the building and, and up, up up the stairs and it's a you know really amazing shot and it just in the first couple of minutes of the film you realize that you know you're you know you're watching a, a, a much more accomplished film than you've been watching so far i think that was Almodovar's own house, by the way. Was it? Okay. Yeah, that's where he lived then, yes. Uh, that's where I interviewed him um, in the mid-'80s. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the acting? You know, because I think one of the characteristic qualities of Almodovar's film is how good he is with actors, mm. and I think you very much see it here. Yeah, yeah. Up to a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get... Uh, you know, very distinct performances from all of the all of the nuns, and it's kind of I think it's quite hard given they're all concealed in whatever you call them, you know, veil, veils, etc. It's it's kind of that can make them hard to distinguish, but actually they're they're all very good. Um, I think the lead the, the wasn't the lead actress the girlfriend of the producer or something. Of, she was. Yeah. Uh, and again, this documentary is very good on that because mm. she's not very good. Yeah. You know. I mean, she is the weak link in this. And I think it's Marisa Paredes in the documentary who says, as the film progressed, her role became less and less, and he began to throw more bits at all the supporting cast, right? So, you know, that's why Marisa Paredes and, you know, Carmen Maura with a tiger, all those great bits mm, mm. were added on because, you know, I mean, he's a, I think he's a great director of actors, but you've got to have something to work with. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and Cristina Pascual was not delivering it, and she really was cast only because she was the producer's girlfriend. When I, I originally did an encyclopedia entry on Almodovar in the 80s, <laughs> and I divided it into, like, uh, three, three parts, you know. So the first part were the self-financed underground films, yeah. So the shorts, Pepe, and Labyrinth. And then the three films that he would go on to do for a, a formal production company, yeah, Tesauro. And then from Love, Desire, he begins producing his own films, right? So that was my thing. And so this film, What Have I Done to Deserve This, and Matador are all, yeah, done by, you know, a, a, a normal production company, which means that he's got, he also, he's got, he's got to answer to someone. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, uh, uh, you know, in this instance, the price of the film was, you know, 
the only fault in the <laughs> casting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what did you think? The film has many, many film references. Yeah, not the least of all the sinners on the wall of the Mother Superior. I love that because, you know, A, it's film reference, so there's Ava Gardner and Hedy Lamarr mm. and Elizabeth Taylor, yeah, kind of Raquel Welch, um, you know, Sara Montiel, yeah, all of those women who were transgressive because they didn't conform sexually. Yeah, yes, yeah. Because they went for the man they loved or whatever without <laughs> getting married, you know. Uh, so I think, you know, it was interesting to see which images were chosen and also how you read them mm. in relation to the film. Yeah, because, you know, basically the whole uh, purpose of this content is to redeem women like that, but who are not famous <laughs> and who are who are not doing their transgression, you know, in the cinema. And on the other hand, it's also a role model for someone like the Mother Superior, who's got her own transgressive desires. Yeah, yeah. So to speak. I think it's very funny. I think it's very successful. Uh, I think, you know, it's laugh out loud funny. I, again, I was watching this documentary and, and uh, you know, Agustin uh, 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 Almodovar, Pedro's brother, was saying, you know, um, this is a film, you know, that, uh, you know, Pedro's very open, you know, without prejudices, and, you know, uh, and he made this film, and it's a film that uh, would be impossible uh, to, to make now, you know, but that every time it appears on Spanish television, it gets a massive audience, people love it, right? And there's also this realization that you know, people were very happy that it was made, and they're very happy that it was made because it would be difficult, you know, to kind of uh, make it now. And you know, it's it's very much a product of this period of openness, yes, of you know the the, the rejection of a dictatorship, but the not quite yet knowing what the limits of the new democ democracy would be. And now we know them. I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, Catholic views on this type of representation were like a Muslim jihad or something where you, you can't say anything, you know. Uh, but, you know, there were certainly kind of different norms, yeah. And this is a very, very transgressive film in many ways. Because I don't know if you caught it, you know, but at the end, some of the nuns are men. Did you see that? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's one or, one or two that were clearly men, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's transgressive in all kinds of ways. And I think it's very funny, right? Um, and I think that one of the things that fascinates me about Almodovar is the combination of the humor with, you know, real feeling. I don't know, did you, did you feel that? Kind of, you know, when the nun spoke, you know, did you, I don't know, identify or uh, acknowledge that actually, you know, was it real feeling that was communicated to you or was it always ironized? I, th I think it was real feeling. I think, as I say, unlike the first the first two films where it was just over the top and camp, there, there was a, a sense of reality to what they were trying to achieve and, and you know, why they were trying to keep the convent open and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, I thought in a small role, Carmen Maura, who I think is really one of the great actresses of all time, and he's never replaced her. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, because I just think, however much I love Victoria Real or, you know, Penelope Cruz, you know, they don't have what Carmen Maura has, which is she makes like every moment like recognizable and real. Mm. Like that little bit where, you know, she's going with her tiger and she's asking the new couple, which is the priest and the nun, to take care of him because she can't take him to to, to Albacete. I mean, you know, it's it's. I thought it was amazing yeah, because yeah. She, she makes you believe in that absolutely absurd, ridiculous <laughs> thing, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, but the, the feeling of pain and loss and caring for what happens to this animal is is communicated as a real thing, as something that's touching. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You know. Uh, so, and I think, you know, that is what, what she can bring that very few can. And also, you know, that Almodovar gets that from her, right, is, you know, and gets it from almost all the other actresses as well. I think it's really kind of amazing. Uh, so any, any other thoughts on this film? No. Well, one thing to point out, as, as with the other films, this wasn't released in the UK until, till later. So it came out in, uh, 1990, um, in, in UK cinemas, may, I guess it may have had festival screenings before that. Um, it looks like the first, the first of his films that actually got released around the same time in the UK as, it, as in Spain was Law of Desire in, in 87, 88. But, so everything, after, but the, yeah, so these first three films were all released in the UK and presumably in America from 1990, but released in reverse order. So Dark Habits first and then Labyrinth and then Bomb. So uh, again, would have been uh, viewed over here in the context of his later work. Mm. Uh, a last thing I want to say is, you know, this is really such a world. And part of the reason why it's such a world is because he works with the same people. And that includes like in the editing and so on. And just a little side note is, you know, when, when Julieta Serrano, the mother superior, is listening to the radio, one of the songs that comes out on the radio is... Fanny McNamara, whom Amadova duetted with. Oh, in, okay, in right. <laughs> <fashion. laughs> um, so that's it. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of, I think it's a camp classic, uh, a key film uh, in Amadova's development, you know, as a kind of, uh, uh, as a soon to be imposing uh, filmmaker. Uh, and it's great fun yeah. to, to see. All right, so uh, thank you, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are thinking aloud about film, and we will return next time with what have I done to deserve this? Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Te vuelvo.